People change jobs all the time. You've probably changed jobs yourself at some point in the last five years. We tend to focus on people at the top of companies because their arrivals and departures do tend to be more public than for the rest of us. But how do you know when it is the right time to go? At what point do you call your job quits before somebody does it for you. And that's the reality of the world in which we live. Do it too early, you harm your career. Hang on too long and you harm your reputation in your industry potentially because you didn't know when to call it quits. It's a difficult one. We saw yesterday the chief executive of Adcock Ingram three months after the Chilean pharmaceutical group CFR abandoned its bid tender his resignation. Jonathan Lowe saying this far and no further. It comes just months after the chairman quit. Adcock Ingram of course has got the quite demanding but very efficient Brian Joffe as the bid best chief executive as its new chairman. Um, he did say to us on The Money Show two months ago that I said to him, does Jonathan Lowe have a job? And he said, well, if he wants it, he's got the job, but he's got to perform. Maybe they've had a discussion and maybe Jonathan Lowe doesn't like the T's and C's that it may apply um, with a new chairman of, of the board. Goodness knows what happened in that meeting, but he's decided to call it quits. His call. Johan Redling is the chairman of Hydric and Struggles. They're a, a group of uh, executive headhunters in South Africa. Five reasons when you know it's time to go, Johan Redling has. I mean, get, get some sort of example, I suppose, where you have, like Jonathan Lowe, um, who's sitting in a boardroom um, where um, he may or may not have been supportive of CFR's bid for Adcock Ingram. Um, the chairman is gone. Um, and now he's got a new chairman of the board um, and they've got to see eye to eye. And if that's not going to happen, well, somebody's got to go and it's not going to be the chairman. Indeed. Uh, Jonathan Lowe is perhaps uh, a, a perfect example of a departure out of a, a top job caused by disaffection with the chief, with the, uh, the key shareholder or with the board. And one finds more and more these days that boards uh, make big demands on chief executives. And if there's a slip somewhere or there's some kind of conflict of interest or conflict uh, in how strategy ought to be pursued, uh, it's better to leave. Uh, I think it would have been an uphill battle for him and for some of the other people who've come and gone in the past couple of months trying to convert a board uh, to a more favourable impression. Um, and, and also, I mean, one, one understands that Adcock Ingram has had its particular issues over the years, but um, as a shareholder of Adcock Ingram, you haven't become rich mm. over the last five or six years mm. as a shareholder in Adcock Ingram. If you're a, a, a chief executive who has delivered, who has performed, who's grown your earnings at 20 or 30% a year and the share price has gone, from 50 to 100 or to 150 over that period, that gives you some, some, something to, to fight back with. But if, you, if your share price has done nothing over that period, you really don't have much ammunition. Well, Jonathan Lowe and some of the other people at Adcock Ingram tried to give very good explanations of why sure. that was the case, and they were being unfavorably compared with one of their competitors. Well, Aspen, really I mean, look, had look, the wind from behind. Look at it? look at Aspen Pharmacare. Yeah. Look what it has done. Different look at company, different top Absolutely. team, different entirely. Um, uh, but 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 also a different kind of board. And yeah. that's a key thing. I mean, but but falling out with the board. I mean, there've been some great South African examples. Um, Neville Nicolau, for example. I remember him at uh, Anglo American uh, Platinum. And Cynthia Carroll came, yes. came in as chief executive of Anglo's, became chairman of the yes. board at Anglo-American Platinum, uh, and basically said to Neville, You're not allowed to, no one's allowed to die on a platinum mine anymore, yes. um, was one of the demands, and redu- they've reduced the death rates dramatically, and, and, and that goal has worked. But also, if you're going to butt heads with your board, it's pointless. And I think we, we, we've, 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 we've touched on that. But you know, Bruce, the job of a, a chief executive has, has changed quite a lot in the last 
couple of years. Uh, always the thing, the, the key skill was managing downwards with a little bit of upward management. Increasingly these days, upward management, managing your chairman, managing your board is a critical skill. And increasingly managing shareholders oh. because shareholder activism is such an important driver at the moment. They want to, they want to see results and they want to see them very quickly. Mm, they most certainly do. Um, Brian Darmus described his job at Eskom as the hardest job in the country. Um, mm. we, can, we can debate that if you like. Um, it's not a job uh, I would want and it's not a job many people want judging on the fact they've got an acting chief executive in that job. But if you're in a position where you are being pulled in lots of different directions um, you, you're required to keep the lights on. You're required to grow power supply, but you're being pulled in one direction by trade union groups. You're being pulled in another direction by your board and possibly another direction by your shareholders, or in this case, your shareholder in, in government. And you've got a, a government minister that has threatened hellfire and brimstone unless um, power stations come up and running. Uh, at some point, um, you do get weary of of managing the multiple relationships that a, a company has got. And that's exactly what Brian Darmus has said. But uh, the business of, of, of uh, the government interfering in state-owned enterprises is now becoming a well-known syndrome for these people. It's a national sport. It, it's a new it, national it, sport. It is. It is. And the people coming onto the board are assigned by the government and often don't understand the business that they're assigned to uh, as board members. So it's it's a very tricky thing and for a chief executive to try and manage the strain of shareholders being the government as well as in the, the case of Eskom, a public that is outraged because we don't have power or their stoppages, that sort of thing, it must be very tough. I might once have referred to him as the Prince of Darkness, and that made him quite cross. Um, the Brian Darmus, um, you know, how dare you call me the Prince of Darkness? The lights aren't working. Um, uh, when we look at uh, at at the job, um, and sometimes <laughs> chief executives are hired on a contract basis. All of us, um, at some point in our lives, will work on some form of contract. Very few permanent jobs exist in the old-fashioned way of. Uh, a job for life. Um, you may be on a one-year contract, a two-year contract, or in the case of a chief executive, increasingly sort of five-year contracts, which may or may not be renewed. Sometimes the contract just comes to an end. Um, you've then got to, whether you're a chief executive or a middle manager or somebody who just works in a business, you've got to decide whether or not you want to broach the conversation as to whether or not we're renewing this contract. And that can be quite tricky. Indeed, and uh, there have been some interesting and significant departures from this. The chief executive of ArcelorMittal, for example, and there are others as well, uh, got to the, came to the end of a contract and decided that, that was enough. The strain and, and, and difficulty sometimes just is just beyond managing. Um, 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 do we see more people in the workspace? I mean, when, when you're asked to hire somebody to go and find somebody for, for a big job, um, is it going to be on a contract basis? Do um, companies and, and boards want to feel each other out before they, uh, before they commit to a long-term relationship? But a contract is normally for at least three years, but mostly for five. And um, a five-year contract is quite a tricky thing. What do you do in the famous example of SA Airways where somebody was hired for a five-year contract and after two years they found that it just wasn't working for either party and he departed taking with him the payout for the whole five years. Were you referring to Coleman Andrews? Indeed. There we go. Yes, uh, he took an, an extraordinary amount of money after selling the fleet um, and, and buying us uh, a bunch of new Airbuses, he which did. we're it's now exactly. renewing with Boeings, etc., etc., etc. But it does become tricky when you enter into contractual arrangements, isn't it? 
there, there's another uh, there's another reason why people just get to a point of wanting to leave, and that is they're ticking along in a business, they're doing quite well, but something wonderful comes along, paying much more or much bigger uh, share share options coming, and it's just so luscious and irresistible that you can't uh, give it up. Which is tricky, I mean, for anybody who's in a contractual relationship with their current business, whether you are a cleaner or whether you are uh, somebody who works in admin and you're on a contract basis and suddenly you offer a better admin job, um, then you've got to break the contract um, and run the risk of falling foul of the HR department who, which may or may not choose to go all legal on you. It depends how badly the, the future employer wants to have you because at, at the top end they sometimes are prepared to buy you out of your contract. Does that happen in the real yes, world? Yes, it does. It in does. South Africa, oh, really? Yes, it does. Buy you out of your contract. I mean, I mean, nobody ever talks about this. So tell me, who is the last person that you've heard of who no, was bought no, out of no, their contract? No, no, no. <laughs> but, but a yeah. big sign-on bonus is the equivalent thing in a way, isn't mm. it? Where do we um, – you, you did hear that uh, – I'm not sure that I should mention this, but the, Go on. that the, uh, the chief executive from Sassel – uh, had, well, David Constable I had mean, a big sign-on bonus, a massive sign-on bonus. I mean, I, I coined the phrase in the in the magazine Fin Week. Um, you know, a, a salary of constabellian proportions. It, it's a new <laughs> phrase that I'm hoping will catch on for people who earn extraordinary amounts of money. I mean, it's, you know, something like 50, 52 million rand in total last year. I mean, that's a lot of money. But if you want to secure the best person for the job, and we were just debating this earlier here on the show, talking about uh, the chief executives of the banks. Um, Mike Brown got 32 million rand this year, and uh, Maria Ramos, 27 or 28 or thereabouts, and Dave Hodner, her deputy, 21 million. um, I mean, these are people who are doing an honest day's work. Um, or they work honestly um, and are being paid an extraordinary amount of money. Is the, the, are the, our pay scales losing the plot once again? It seems like we were coming to some level of reasonableness. Um, are, are we running the risk of losing the plot once again, Johan? You're into a very big debate at the moment because this is a raging issue in the United States and in Europe. And the point that I've often made is you're in a market for leadership talent and the market determines the price. So People like the ones that you've mentioned are, have rare skills because they have a track record of having produced profit, and that's why they get paid. That's why they get paid what they do. I mean, to change to Anne Crotty, who, um, who's just joined, who's, who's just uh, who's just joined uh, Sunday Times, the the Business Times supplement within yeah. Sunday Times. I don't know if you know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you put her in that job. Um, but but she has Anne Crotty, who goes, no, nope, she doesn't think that the salaries are fair at all. She thinks the chief executives generally get paid far too much money. Um, she's a good old fashioned socialist that way. And and you know. No, Bruce, I think that cars are too expensive, whiskey is too expensive. Whiskey is definitely too expensive. But, but listen, it, it <laughs> operates in a market. It operates in a market. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, but is the market realistic when it comes to paying big salaries to bosses of companies? Um, or is it, as, as Ancrotti says, so many people sit on each other's boards um, that they end up talking to themselves and, right. they talk each, and they talk to each other and they talk each other into a stupor of confusion and, and um, you know, the disclosure of executive salaries in South Africa in the last 10 years has done one thing. It's pushed executive salaries through the roof. You know, a big issue at the moment is the haves and the have-nots and the, yep. p- the distance from the chief executive's income to that of the lowest person in the organization. And in Switzerland, they've now just passed legislation to determine that the, the difference between the bottom rung of the company and the top must not, beyond, must not be beyond a certain ratio. ratio. Yeah. 
It's been legislated. In Switzerland, yes, it's all egalitarian and and people eat cheese and chocolate. Um, (laughs) In a society such as ours, is it even feasible? Um, The the chief executive of PPC, for example, Ketso Gordon, says in an ideal world, um, the lowest paid worker at PPC should earn no no more than 40 times less or no less than 40 times less than the chief executive. Um, And that's noble, but is it achievable? And he made a very benevolent gesture, didn't he? He gave Mm. up. Well, uh, the executives gave up bonuses and, and and passed it through the ranks, which is a, a nice sign, but it happens very seldom. Uh, Bruce, it is a very big issue, this, and everybody's talking about it, but in the end, I don't think it's going to work. I think the market will determine what leadership talent is paid. Mm. So, bottom line, go while you're still on top. Don't hang on too long, no matter where you sit in the pecking order of a company. Um, but it's that secret of knowing that precise moment. Is there a science to it? I don't think there's a size to it, but there's a gut to it, I think. I think a gut feel. People know almost instinctively when that moment is there. And also, you know, when the planets are aligned and you've got everything in gear, that's the time. Johan Redling is from Hydric and Struggles in South Africa.